Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodgman, as always, sitting down with Jack Belcher. Jack, how are you? Yeah, today it wasn't a complete washout in the market. It was There's some rotation going on, uh, but my life is good, so that matters more to me. How's it going with you? Ah, can't complain. It's nice. I'm gonna give the. Uh, I'm gonna do the Jack warning. I have my windows open for the f- first honest, comfortable time this year. Um, there hasn't been any construction on the street. There hasn't been any noise. But if it happens, it's likely to happen while uh, we're recording and streaming here. So just as a heads up. Gotcha. Same here. So I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm taking in every bit of fresh air I can. So normally, Jack, we kind of dive into what happened in the markets here today. I know there's already been a ton of comments coming in, and one question kind of stuck out to me um, from Blake, and it's, why do I thrive in choppy markets, but I'm in terrible markets that show clear direction? That's weird. And Blake, I want to talk about this really quick before we get into anything. I think it kind of has to do with today's topic. As you've seen in the title, patience is a virtue. Um, But what happens in choppy markets is it creates clear definition or a lot of times it gives you not necessarily clear but it gives you a guidelines or a framework of where you're looking for trade entry when markets get directional it's very easy to say something like yesterday in the equity markets hey i'm going to short this market but we can get washed out we can get shaken out of those trades so quickly because it's really difficult to find a good entry point where you're able to manage your risk in markets like today if you look at the the nasdaq market opened up this morning rallied up to 12,500, excuse me, 12,050, broke back inside, right to an area of consolidation just below settlement price, rallied one more time back up to 12,050, broke back down to that exact same price. And so when we start to see consistency in those directional moves, it allows us to trade or work the range. And that to me is why if you guys have seen anything in the past with me when I used to do the recap or I've talked about it every so often on Coach's Playbook, I love channels. I love love to define things so that when I'm a, because I'm a range-bound trader too, uh, Blake, 100% I range-bound trade. That's where my bread and butter comes in. That's where I make my most money. But what I've learned how to do is I like to create my range and turn that chart just a little bit sideways so that I can look at it the same in that same lens. Putting highs and lows in my channels, I call them channels, I define my channels as I'm sitting down and I'm waiting for that market to get to a high side. If it's downtrending like yesterday, yesterday was a little bit difficult because it was so hard and fast, but I'm waiting for it to pull up into the high side of my channel. That's where I'm looking for my short and helps me control and be protected in those downside moves. Um, So I wanted to touch on that. I thought it was a great question, and I think we're going to dive in more today in this idea of patience. I think there's a psychological aversion to, to, because we think of these things as prices, because they are prices, is that you want to buy things that are low and sell things that are higher, like you were at a store looking for a car or something like that. It's not as intuitive to look at something that's been going up, 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 and then look to buy a little bit of weakness, right? You wouldn't want to do that with other things you'd want to buy or sell, right? So I think I knew Dan was going to hit on channels there with it, but I think it's just if you can draw your channel, it makes it a lot easier to have that sort of confidence in kind of trading the same sort of chop. So Yeah. I mean, my dad always told me when I got into this industry in my whole life when it came to trading stuff, you know, Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I am a very simple trader. Um, I don't have a lot going on. I like to have a feel for what that market's doing. 
and just a little bit of guidelines and framework for myself as I'm trading. And those channels for me um, are really what help me understand directional markets because I range bound, love it. Sideways action, I know what I'm looking for. I know where I can put my, you know, take my risk. Um, directional moves, you know, yesterday you saw it. You saw this, you know, NASDAQ, S&P, huge downside moves and you don't want to miss the action. And uh, Jack, I'm making a nice transition in here to today's Thank topic. You. you don't want to miss that action because you see it ripping lower. You want to be a part of it, um, but you got to be patient and wait for that market to give you that pullback before you can say, hey, I've managed my risk. I can take this. Unless you got a million bucks in the bank and you don't care to uh, have your risk be double your reward and you know, then that's a whole different story and that's not real trading. More power to you in that case. Yeah, I think that you're going to get your chance and we'll dive into it. We'll talk about the markets today first, but I think that to kind of like an amuse-bouche, I've been watching Top Chef lately, so get that fancy talk there. <laughs> Got my throwback top step trader shirt on too. Um, is that you're gonna get your opportunities, right? Um, I think that part of overtrading, this is sort of the big thing of patience this episode, is that people wanna force a trade to happen so much when you're gonna get your opportunities, there'll be another trade. So let's talk about uh, today and maybe yesterday a little bit too while we're at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yesterday we'll start with crude oil, as I always do. Uh, crude oil yesterday, downside move, kind of. Looked like it wanted to continue here coming into the open. That market opened up and it ripped higher from $104 a barrel all the way up to 111 So huge, huge move, low to high there off the open. Um, I know we're all keeping an eye on oil. For the first time in the history of the United States, every single state's average gas price is over $4 a gallon. Whew. It's making that uh, electric Rivian look better and better each and every day for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got equities, so we talked about it just a minute ago. Today is the hangover day. Equities, big break there, fell into our hangover uh, today. Those markets had a rough one, uh, probably still in bed. S&P's opens up lower, works its way up to settlement tri price, tries a few times to get through, uh, but really struggled to get back above settlement price. So our, does this mean that we're going to continue this downside move? I don't know, um, but we really struggled to accept back inside yesterday's range there. We're opening, we're going to close today outside of range from yesterday, but the NASDAQ, a little different story there. That market actually worked its way through settlement price after the open, held above there for a little bit, broke back down, broke back down and continued some sideways action, traded back above settles. Uh, but this one is actually going to be closing, at least up to this point, Closing inside yesterday's range, gold, uh, flight to quality's on. Gold, huge rally um, from 18.15 all the way up to 18.45, end of the day right at 18.40, and uh, no difference with the euro. Euro and gold tend to move um, in conjunction of each other, and the 10-year note, big overnight move. We saw the big move yesterday in uh, the treasuries. Why? Well, inversely proportional to the equity markets historically that market rallied higher continued the rally here today uh, but without equities making any sort of directional move and among other things obviously there's multiple factors involved that market started to rotate back inside uh, didn't make it back to settlement did not close that gap uh, but worked its way down a little bit here throughout regular trading hours today yeah a little more volume today in some of those i had to look at my chart twice Maybe I'm wrong on this, but a little more volume today than yesterday on the huge sell-off. I was just looking at, like, uh, to double-check, I looked at the Tesla volume to see, and it was, uh, you know, that's a $700 stock that was down $0.38 cents today and uh, had about the same volume as yesterday when it sold off a lot. 
Um, Pretty interesting. Wild. Huge rotation going on here. Uh, I think that's sort of the sign where we talked about this before. We talk about a lot about the concentration in the S&P towards the top companies. And what we're seeing now on that hum- huge move yesterday, um, the market finally came for the big dogs after that Walmart earnings, the Target earnings, um, the consumer picture is getting less clear, even though they have a good number this week. So what happened was Amazon got hammered, Apple got hammered, and because they're so heavy in the index, Tesla got hammered. Well, they got hammered for a few reasons, but tons of stuff happening to the top dogs, and it brought the whole index down. Meanwhile, a lot of the growth stocks that have been destroyed, who've already lost their 80%, were up uh, yesterday and quite a bit today. So interesting stuff going on, Rivian being one of them that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting world we're in right now. There's a lot of uncertainty because you have the Fed versus recession, and they're kind of always against each other where do the markets go up because there's a recession coming and the interest rates will be uh, coming down. Who knows? But um, I'd love to like have an opinion on it, but there's so many so many factors like it's really easy right now with the way things are going it's like hey i think we're going to enter towards recession territory but that can change in the blink of an eye it can change so quickly interesting stat i saw is that the s p 500 right now has come back to the the price right now or before today so maybe now it's just a little bit below it is equal to its historic like 10-year average valuation so given the 12-month uh, trailing pe ratio the s p 500 is exactly where it has been on average for the last 10 years which is interesting it tells you that they made a uh, lot of corporate earnings in the last year and there's a lot of questions as to whether those will stay good um you know target was down 25 percent yesterday Jack, just out of curiosity, when you say 10-year average, are we saying over the last 10 years, it's basically gone side to side, or it's 10-year average in growth? So if you take the um, the tra- trailing 12-month PE ratio, so like take the total earnings for the S&P 500 and multiply it by uh, some multiple, um, that multiple average over the last 10 years is where we're at now so that's one way you could price things now the two ways you can change the price of stocks is by changing the earnings or changing the multiples so okay um it's one thing because you know there's a lot of doomsday profits out there who are like this is uh the dot-com bubble had a baby with the great recession and all all that (laughs) stuff i just wanted to give some other side of it where there are people out there who are saying that well given what things have been this might be reasonably priced there certainly hasn't we haven't even yesterday we haven't had any panic selling yet which is usually yesterday it kind of looked like it wanted to um but today caught it pretty well you're i think you're right i think you know i think we're going to I think it's going to hit in other areas too. I think we're going to see other areas. I'm still firmly in this belief system of we're still coming out of COVID. Uh, people, a lot of the money coming out of these markets. So interesting stat between 2018 and today, retail um, activity in the equi- in the in the financial sector, be it day trading or retail trading of things of that sort, grew by 300 percent 
over the last four years. Um, majority of that has been throughout COVID. COVID really kind of began uh, two years ago. We saw a huge uptick two years ago, which really brought a lot of people involved in these markets. And I think it brought in a lot of different styles of traders, different styles of people that are looking for different things. We saw 2020 was the year of the meme stock. Um, you know, that in 2021, right? We saw the meme stock. It, it brought in you know, that sport betting world, which was gone for a little while in 2020, which is starting to come back. Um, so I think it brought in a lot of people and it brought in a lot of money in the sense that I, I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. It brought in a lot of money in the sense that people weren't out spending. Life's changed. We have to spend. Inflation's up. Things are a little bit more expensive. If I told you how much it cost me to fill my truck and gas yesterday, you'd probably be like, Dan, you got to get rid of that truck and pull some money out of the markets to keep filling the damn thing. So I, I still like I still have a belief that there's a possibility that this sell-off right now really has something to do with a lot of that. It's a personal opinion. I can't give you you know fact or reason behind it, but it's it's what's telling me in my gut. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. The rates are part of it, probably a big part. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, and I think it's just that there's that. Uh, sort of spiritual thing of the markets it's spirit animal and when it's going up it just feels like it's gonna keep going up get on it and it's all gone now if you go on any I, I don't recommend you take advice there but on a message board where people are posting it's it's like a hair on fire type thing and it is yeah I figure before we go to the patience thing, I would briefly mention, because we did talk about Tesla, it's like an ongoing thing each day, because uh, I haven't had a chance <laughs> to talk to you, Dan, is like, I think I wrote here is uh, Elon Musk is really embracing the, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at the best theory of management. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't particularly care what anyone's like politics or stuff are out there, but I'm just like, I would just think he'd be pretty busy at this point running however many companies he does and like i what what is he doing right now i so i've had i thought about this a lot jack i believe there's a, a method to his madness if you go back what four years ago tesla price was about 300 dollars a share and this is when he started kind of Oh, definitely. Creating yeah. some controversy again and what followed everyone you know the sec was telling him you can't do this You've got people, you know, the board trying to kick him out of Tesla. You had all this stuff going on, and what happens to Tesla stock? Made millionaires upon millionaires, rallies like crazy. So maybe this is just his uh, little um, game plan. This is his. This is his playbook of how he <laughs> grows a company. I don't know, so but I'm having fun. Twitter's not taking the bait. I cannot wait to see how this shakes out because uh, word word on the street is that all the uh, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but uh, the word on the street is that the bankers and everyone else who are getting this deal through are just kind of going about their days finalizing this deal because I think so. Push comes to shove, it's kind of like that's how it works. Because if you think about it on a, uh, this is the exact sort of thing that um, laws and contracts like that are supposed to prevent is like agreeing to a price and then like getting cold feet and then being like, well, uh, you know, it's like if you, if you, it's like going to, it's like buying a car. You like go to buy a car, you come to a number on the car and then all of a sudden you're panicking. Like that's a lot of money. 
Um, you know, those tires looked uh, a little worse for the wear. I think you got to throw in a set of fresh tires and oil changes for the next five years and unlimited yeah. car washes. And, yeah. you know, I think maybe the same thing. Yeah, it's worth a try. Hopefully some, some okay, some box just popped up in my Zoom and I just hit cancel. I was going to say that I might disappear for a second here, but I'm still here apparently. <laughs> okay, that's enough on that for now. So today we wanted to talk about patience. Um, it's very important in trading. And where this comes from is I've been uh, moderating Tuesdays at least with Make Hogue Money. And so I was watching as, you know, people, they vote on trades in there. And I was kind of, you know, feeling it out, looking what was going on. And I noticed that a lot of people in the comments and everything else seem to be very antsy to get into trades, especially when, you know, a level had been picked and this was going to be our level to get short, let's say in this instance. And when the price, the bids and asks were meeting, you know, five ticks, 10 ticks, whatever away, and kind of look like they're peeking out there, it would be like, let's just get in. And I think that that kind of reminded me about what we were talking about earlier about you have to be patient and kind of wait for whatever your strategy says you should be doing and not jumping into everything because we all know one of the biggest problems for newer traders is over trading and i think this plays a large part of it is just not waiting for what you said you were going to do jack i could not agree more i think this kind of goes back to that first question from blake um trending markets in particular you have a plan that says hey we got to wait 12 ticks for this market to pull back before i can hop in on that short and continue with direction that excitement gets the best of you and you want to take the short because you don't want to miss out on the opportunity i think that's where most of this comes from and i will tell you i think one of the best lessons i've ever heard i've learned i've experienced i've talked about is patience is the most important thing and sometimes the greatest trade you can take is not taking that trade just because it looks good and it doesn't meet your but it doesn't meet your strategy it's a trade you need to avoid um, you really have to focus on that process. And if you focus on the process that you've predetermined, because as soon as you're at the desk and you're looking at the markets and you want to take that trade, you become emotionally vested and your bias starts to take hold of things, right? Your emotions get a little bit more involved. You've created this plan emotionless, not knowing exactly what the market's going to do. You have a solid structure behind it. And I'd imagine you spent a lot of time working on that plan. You have to really trust it. And if the market's not pulling back to where you expect it to, you have to be patient. You can't take that trade because that trade doesn't work for you. And if you keep missing out on trades, eventually you can adjust your strategy. The problem is you're not going to get any useful data that you can act on if you don't follow the strategy. If you're just kind of willy-nilly, this makes me sound like an old man, willy-nilly. If you're, if you're just like willy-nilly. You are a dad now, Jack. You're allowed to say Oh, that. yeah, good point. Yeah, forgot about that. Um, you're allowed to adjust things if, you know, that's perfectly logical. If you're never getting in the trades, then maybe there is something too conservative. But it's sort of the willy-nilly, well, it's kind of close. Let's just do it. Because the flip side of that, if you're going to have the same risk, um, is you just blowing out on things that, you would not have blown out on, right? If you had just waited. I think that that's, it's one of the hardest things to do. 
I, I think you're right. And I think it, this is where all the time you, I think the most common frustration to especially newer traders is I got in, I got stopped out and then the market went in my direction. Well, what's that telling you? It's telling you, you got in too early. You have to be more patient for that trade to play out. Wait for that pullback a little bit longer. Study it and understand it. Jack Kitt hit on the most important point here. And that is if you're consistent in how you're going about your approach, you can learn from it. If you're getting all willy-nilly, I think that's the new type, title of this uh, this video. If you're getting all yeah. willy-nilly with your entries, you're never going to be able to learn and understand where you have to make the changes. The only change you can make from willy-nilly is writing down that plan, trading based off of that plan, and then you have to go again. And then you have to start the whole process over. Let's just skip the willy-nilly. Let's focus on the plan that you have already created, and then you don't have to go back and restart that process. What you can do uh, that we did all the time when I was trading at the shop, just as part of the strategy, is you can scale it. Instead of having a hard in line, you can say that this is where my average price is going to be. And if you split it up into, say, three chunks, it's easier to do this with micros and things like that, is that you can be aggressive with a 30-year size on the dot with a 30-year size and then less aggressive with a 30-year size. And you'll end up with the same entry from your strategy. Now, the advantage of that is that you, um, you end up with the same average price. But, of course, the average is if it does not go through you or if it, if it doesn't get to your initial level, you still get something out of it. And I think that's mm -hmm. a good mental way to deal with that. It's, you know, it's nice to get something. Exactly. I get. I totally get the concept of like not wanting to miss the move. I absolutely get it. You know, I think every trader has a standard unit. Uh, that's what I call it. It's a standard unit of average size of every trade you're going to take. You know, you don't put the full unit on right away. You can you can take a little heat on a portion of it to make sure you're in the trade when you're in that trade. So let's say you let's just for simple numbers here, you're running three contracts. That's your average size. You can buy one. If you put three on, and we're using uh, NASDAQ as our example, $15 a tick, you put three on, and you're willing to risk $150 a trade. I'm just using loose numbers here, right? If you do that, you only have 10 ticks of risk because you put your three contracts on right away. But if you put one on, you let it go against you. You start to get more comfortable with that level. You can leverage into that one, and then you can maybe leverage in a little further down the road. And when you're doing that, you're protecting your risk in a little bit, and you're also making sure you're getting in on that trade, and you still have that same risk on the table as you leverage into it as long as you're getting out when you're down 150 bucks. Yeah, I don't even know if I've said this before on it, or we've mentioned it, maybe not thinking about it, but we were always scaling into and out of everything unless there was a particular reason not to do so. It could be a time limit if, say, like we've talked about before, you don't want to trade through numbers. There could be a bond auction, a Fed number, stuff like that. But generally, I think, in my experience, the best way to trade has been through scaling in, scaling out. And I think it helps you be more patient as well. Yeah. And you know what? Dan makes a comment here. Um, where is it? Uh, if you don't get filled on all of them, you make less money. Well, Dan, I will say that was not part of your strategy. So you were fortunate to make something, right? You were still looking for, if we're taking the short, you're looking 
to short at a higher averaged price. So if you at least got in below that average price, you were able to take advantage of a piece of that move. Remember, your job as a day trader is not to take it all, but only to take out chunks. Um, so don't ever relish or look on or get frustrated on what you missed out on. Focus on what you're able to take advantage of. I think you have to kind of put those perspective. You got to be optimistic about every bit of your trading. If you're able to get into that trade, at least in a portion, that's okay. Because I think, Jack, I think you're right. I think any professional trader out there, it's not all in, all out. I think that's the first step into becoming successful. And then as you grow and you have a little bit more room, it's you're scaling into these trades. Because it's, it's probabilistic. Um, you do, There's very few scenarios, I feel, when you are so confident about a price to the tick that this is what you want and you're going to do it for that. I think that there's always some uncertainty around there that on a long enough time frame that a scaling uh, plan will work better. The exceptions would be if you're trading something like we used to trade like very short, uh, short end of the curve spreads or like calendar spreads where you're clearly trying to scalp them, where you're always taking them for a quarter tick or something. Those trades kind of stop working. I, I doubt they're still working. But um, yeah, besides that, on anything longer, we would mostly scale in, scale out. I mean, that was um, and to this day, that's how I do a lot of things. You know, I'll I'll take a short. I'll see what happens. I like it. What I'll, I'll still like the short. I don't mind adding into it and building on that until it comes back in the favor. But I always have that. I always have that key location. At this point, I have to be out because things change, and I still don't. I don't like the short side from an outright. Now, if I'm getting a little bit more crazy in my trading <laughs> and I've got hedge positions on and I'm covering myself against that, then it allows me to take a little bit more heat. I may look at it and instead of getting out of the short, I may say, hey, you know what? I can buy a hedge over here. I'll hedge this position a little bit to see if we can get this thing to come back into the short side. And then I can peel my hedge off and let, let that thing run again. That's kind of how you, I'll, I'll do it. But again, maybe a little bit further down the road um, for some. I guess the key takeaway is sort of don't be antsy. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. You will never miss the last short trade or the last long trade. There'll be plenty of opportunities that you will see. And generally, we see the mistake is be, uh, having too many trades, not not trading enough. That is a rare rarity. Yeah. I'll say this. One trade will never make you as a trader, but one trade can break you as a trader. One trade can absolutely ruin you, but one will never make you a legend in this. One will never stand out for eternity that people are gonna you're gonna look back and go it was that one trade you may have one that you go that was a pretty awesome trade besides the game but it didn't guy, make I you guess, who you are but right <laughs> you're never rare. gonna have that one but one trade can truly ruin you and that's far more common yes if you have you know let's say you've got your your, your um you know you opened up your brokerage account you worked hard to save 10 grand we all know how easy it is to lose 10 grand. Those of you listening, if you're at 150K and you reset three times because you hit a daily loss limit, boom, there's nine grand. And imagine how easy it was to do that. I know numerous professional traders who were blown out by one trade. I think that's usually how it that's, happens. That's, yeah, generally it works till it doesn't. <laughs> Ego. Ego. Ego gets the best of you. Yeah, usually happens overnight too with the bonds. That's always fun. 
Um, but that's pretty much all I have on that, Dan. Um, otherwise, uh, I'd be remiss not to mention that uh, TopSip's going to be rolling out some new things over the next uh, month of June, I think, which should be interesting. Uh, check out the morning forecast with Ho. Getting a lot more viewers in there. Uh, it's a great way to start your day, 745 on the TopSip YouTube channel here. That's sort of my awesome. thing. Otherwise, uh, what are you up to, Dan? Uh, from here, I'm going to put the boat in the water, uh, and I'm finally getting my first boat ride of the year. Well, have fun with that, Captain. Rough life. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward. I'll be coming up to Wisconsin, what, in a couple weeks? A couple weeks. I think uh, we got a 6.39 a.m. tea time. Yeah, I'm going to have to leave my house at like 4.30 in the morning for that, <laughs> but uh, it'll be good. I'm ready. I'm a warrior. Got to... When you're a dad, you kind of have to cherish your time alone. You love the time with everyone. You got to cherish it alone. So it'll be a nice drive. Yeah, you need some me time every so often. Cool. Well, that's all we have for this time. We'll see you next week at uh, 3 o'clock on Thursday, most likely. In the meantime, namaste and trade well, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to the Limit Up podcast. Limit Up is a presentation of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com if you're interested in getting into a trading combine for futures. We'd love to see you there. In the meantime, rate and subscribe us. We'll see you next week. 